Welcome to episode number 192 of the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. This episode of the podcast is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Cree, Ojibwe, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 Territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Uh, welcome one and all to our 2022 CFL Division Finals Preview. We're down to four teams. After this weekend, we'll be down to two. We're here to break down the divisional matchups here today. I'm Ryan Coop, and I'm joined, first of all, by a man who I can confirm is a verified member of this podcast. It's uh, Mr. Verified on Twitter himself. Trey Colbeck is here. Trey, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic. Just hit a new level of, you know, personal high today and that I got a little check mark on my name. Best 999 I spent this month. So we'll see if it stays around. But you know, got you know, gotta support it. Gotta support it. Otherwise, Twitter will be dead. And where else will I do annoying horse racing stuff all day and watch uh, Adam's farming stuff, right? So it's what I need. Yes, that's fair. Uh, definitely keeping a watch on how things are going with Twitter over the next little while, of course. And uh, joining us here, as always, this evening as well, still rocking the Argos hat. Uh, an Argos hat in Saskatchewan. Uh, farmer in Saskatchewan. It's the great Adam Stewart. Adam, how are you? Hey, doing good, Ryan. Uh, yeah, no, uh, quite amazing to see Trey verified today, you know. I wonder which one will last longer now, Twitter or the CFL? CFL doesn't seem to ever die. So, you know, I, I kind of maybe got Twitter right now on the uh, on the ropes. So we'll see which one happens here. But, uh, hey, yeah, I guess you can get verified now, too. So uh, right on. There we go. This podcast is famous enough in its own right. We don't need the blue check mark, right? Uh, maybe, maybe we'll have to find a spot in the budget to go and get it. We'll see. Um, yeah, we're here to preview the division finals, uh, tonight we'll take a look first at the East final between the Toronto Argonauts, Montreal Alouettes. We'll take a look at the West final between the BC Lions and Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We'll make our CFL fantasy picks, which boy, have I had a hard time this week with all, with the limited options available. Uh, and we'll make our picks, uh, I think both straight up and against the spread for these two games here at the end of the show, uh, officially for the standings, it'll only count the picks against the spread, but I figure we got, it should do them straight up here. It's the playoffs after all, uh, we are live. We'll also take your comments and questions throughout the night in our live chat over on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Uh, all made possible by our presenting sponsor, GameTime TV, which you can learn more about at GameTimeTV.ca or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash GameTimeTVMB. Also want to take a moment to thank another sponsor for this episode of the podcast, which is BetStamp. Uh, there are so many different sports books out there these days. Each one offers you different prices on the same games. Well, BetStamp helps you find the best odds among them. Uh, simply pull up the game on the app, see all the different odds, see the bet stamp best recommended odds as well, uh, and help you place the bet that will maximize the return value. If you find some odds you like, you can also sign up directly through the bet stamp bet link page within the app, link your accounts to it, track your picks as you go along as well. And if you want some extra insight, you can check out the commission-free marketplace where you can see the bets others have made. And through verified bet tracking features, you get the guarantee that the odds are legitimate. You can find our CFL picks there every week under the username CF Countdown Pod. 
Visit BetStamp.app or download the app from your local app store for free. Sign up with referral code CFC to let them know we sent you. Help grow the show. Start using BetStamp free today. Best of luck with your wagers. And remember, always bet responsibly. Well, guys, we're here. Can you believe it? We're here at the division finals. We're here down to four teams left. And uh, we had two great games last weekend, and I think we're on deck for two great games this coming weekend. So let's start off with our East Division preview here. The Montreal Alouettes coming off of that win against the Toronto Argonauts, uh, or sorry, against the Ticats, coming into Toronto to a almost sold-out BMO field. I I guess let's start there. Uh, You know, a lot is made every year about the Argos' attendance and, 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 you know, fan base support. Uh, Pretty exciting to see the the stadium almost sold out here for this game, isn't it, Adam? We may have lost Adam. Trey, are you still there? Oh, that's fine. I'm I'm here. Yep. Okay. What do you think about the uh, the Argos selling out the stadium here? Ah, Toronto FC didn't make the playoffs this year, so I guess the fans have some extra money. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it, it's good. Good to see. Um, how many of that's Montreal fans? Because Uncle Gary, you know, keeps pushing that on Twitter. It's good, still good to see. Good packed house of twenty thousand. Uh, I guess it's kind of sad that we have to say twenty thousand is a sellout, though. You know what I mean? When we're Winnipeg, you see Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, a sell, it's what, 35,000 or, you know, you know, and even BC had 40 something and wasn't quite sold out. And what's Commonwealth can hold 60 something. You know what I mean? That's, that's a sellout to me, but still good to see. Adam, are you there? Yeah, now I'm here. Sorry, guys, my yeah. internet was acting up there. Uh, you know what? No, I think that, hey, you've got the stadium that's 21,000. Hey, if you fill it out, you're making money. That's all that matters in Toronto right now. And to me, if you're going to sell 21,000 seats, you sell 21,000 seats, you got to sell out, you got a big, raucous crowd. Toronto fans, like myself, uh, we all know how to cheer and celebrate real loud. So to me, I think that, uh, you know what, it's going to be a fun game. I think there's going to be lots of Argo fans, to be honest with you. I don't know how many Alouettes. I hope there'll be a few Alouette fans as well, because that just makes the atmosphere all the more fun. Uh, Hopefully everybody has a lot of fun out there. Uh, Maybe not too much fun after the game, you know, like what happened last year. We don't want to see any of that again. But uh, you know what? No, if there's 21,000 seats, they sell 21,000 seats. All the power and all the all the good to uh, Larry Tannenbaum and the Toronto Argonauts organization for getting a sellout. Congratulations to them. Yeah, so we look at this matchup between these two teams, and uh, I believe they played three times during the regular season. Uh, the Argos' first game of the year back in week number two, they won 20-19. to 19. I believe that was off the last second, like 17-yard missed field goal by David Cote in that one. Uh, and then they played each other in two of the final weeks of the season in a home-and-home series there. Uh, the Argos took one 24-23 on October 22nd. The week after, the Alouettes took it 38-33. So pretty close in all the games played this season. Last one was kind of a wash because a lot of starters were resting. Uh, but now they play here for the third time in four weeks, these two teams. Like we did for the division semifinals, let's uh, let's break it down at the different positions here, and we'll start on offense. Uh, Adam, who do you give the edge to on the offensive side of the ball in this game? 
Ah, this one's close because, again, you've got two dynamic uh, offenses here that I think both could uh, pretty well break open a game. Uh, Montreal, you've got Eugene Lewis and uh, returning and uh, starting to get a little more relevant uh, Jake Wenicky as well. So I think the Alouettes will be a pretty good uh, challenge coming in if uh, Walter Fletcher can keep doing like he did against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I think the Montreal Alouettes have a very good chance in this game. However, there's a big uh, if on this uh, little bit because the Argonauts are receiving a player back this week that I've heard of. Uh, running back, Andrew Harris, should be ready to go for the game here. And if he is, and he's running and ready, this could be a long day for the Montreal Alouettes. He's a great runner. He's a great ba uh, blocking back. The uh, Argonauts, again, still have some good weapons downfield, including like a veteran like uh, Brandon Banks which could go and get active on the field if you've got a Canadian uh, running back all of a sudden in and Andrew Harris. Uh, the other one also is Curly Gittins Jr. had a very good year so far. I can't see why he would not uh, have another good game or so. And you've got Jawan Breskison back there as well. Uh, another good receiver for the uh, Toronto Argonauts. Question for them might be a little bit more of uh, the quarterback. I, I don't know why. I know there's a lot of guys that are very good supporters of McLeod Bethel-Thompson. I just don't know about a playoff McLeod Bethel-Thompson. He has had multiple opportunities to take this team to the Grey Cup, uh, including last year, and somehow it always seems to be where the other team walks in and ends up winning. So I want to see what comes out of McLeod Bethel-Thompson this week. We know Trevor Harris can win games in the Grey Cup or in the playoffs. Can McLeod Bethel-Thompson do the same thing? That remains to be seen. Trey, what's your keys in this offense? Whoever runs the dang ball and, you know, I hope Andrew Harris, like, I hope he gets touches. You would think he would, but, you know, you never know. Watch watch him. Are they going to ease him into the game? He's also, you know, plus 30-something right now, right? 30s. and It's a different game, but I'm hoping to watch the running game. And if you watch the other side, um, it was uh, Stanback that just kind of came back, right? And him with Fletcher last week. That's pretty good dynamic duo there, and I would not be surprised if those two got a, like split the shifts again. You get two different running styles. That ends up giving uh, Harris more time. Doesn't matter which running backs out there. Still could be play action. Still could be a run play. I really think hmm, this was a tough one because I don't know who to give this one to. So when we come to betting later, it's going to be interesting, uh, Ryan. Yeah, offensively, it's just very close. Like, McLeod Bethel-Thompson led the league in passing yards, I think, this season, right? Or he was uh, very close. Yeah, he did. But yet, they only have one more passing touchdown than the Alouettes did this season. So that's been the knock on the Argos. They've also, I think, they had the lowest number of rushing touchdowns, just nine on the ground this season for them. So good offense all the talent is there it just hasn't delivered on the offensive side of the ball whereas montreal to their credit i feel like is you know a less potent offense but they get it done when they when they need to so uh andrew harris if he is back if he is playing at the full workload potentially i mean he's a game breaker especially in the playoffs and when he's pissed off when he's missed time you know andrew harris comes back fired up and ready to go and definitely wants to go out and get the three peat so that's a huge factor that makes me want to maybe tip it into toronto's direction but also early in the season like even with andrew harris in there they weren't scoring touchdowns they weren't running the ball super effectively uh, which is why it was crazy that he was on that first uh, all-star list this year before they corrected it. 
Um, I think I have to give the edge to Montreal a little bit on offense just because they're more efficient, it seems, at putting the ball in the end zone. But it's very close on the offensive side of the ball for me here. Did I see something? Andrew Harris has had another kid this week, too. Oh, really? I thought I saw that that on Twitter somewhere. So I don't know. You never, that could go one of two ways. You know, that could be, uh, you just got another newborn, or that could be, hey, there's another reason to win on Sunday, right? So. I thought I saw that. I'll, I'll scroll through the Twitter feed now that I'm verified. It should be easier to find, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess I never did say who I was actually going to pick for uh choice in offense on this side of the game. Uh, I look at it as, you know, you got pretty even running backs, maybe a little bit of an advantage for Montreal because they got the extra uh, running back that's uh, real capable. Uh, receivers, I think it's pretty much even. Uh, quarterbacks, probably an edge to Montreal. But uh, the other thing also to remember is offensive line. Uh, Landon Rice has done a very good job for the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, that being said, I know some of those guys over on the Toronto side of the football. I mean, they used to be former riders, and for some reason, Jeremy O'Day decided we didn't need any offensive line because we were so great. Uh, so, you know, I mean, there is that. So I think it's going to be fairly even on that as well. But uh, you're right uh, when you were saying it, Ryan. At the beginning of the year, they did not run the football effectively with Andrew Harris, which was strange because you've got one of the best running backs in the game. However, you've got a healthy Andrew Harris now, allegedly, uh, and you've got a uh, very well-rested Andrew Harris. So to me, I'm going to give the edge to the Argonauts just because of that, uh, because I think everything else is pretty even, except I've just still got a little bit of a question mark on McLeod Bethel Thompson. Hey, real quick here, according to the Toronto Sun, as of yeah Thursday morning, Andrew Harris welcomed his second child, a boy, Axon Jacob Harris, into the world. So you know, there's another thing to play for. And <laughs> and congratulations you, to the Harris family, absolutely. Yeah, you know, big time. And, Saskatchewan starts scouting for 2048. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you, I, I think too he's going to have a chip on his shoulder, and he's one game away potentially from facing his old team at a stadium that he has historically historically done really good in too, right? So, you know, they always say one week at a time, but he'd be lying if he's saying that he's not waiting for next week, right? So, Oh, yeah. for sure. I, I got it. I, I, I was going – I said I was on the Uncle Gary train, but it's really hard to go against Toronto this week. It's It's a tough one. Well, let's look at the defensive side of the ball next then. And for me, this one, I put clearly in Toronto's favor. I think Montreal's defense played really well against Hamilton last week, but they also played disciplined, which is something we haven't seen all season. And I'm, uh, you know, consistently, and I'm not sold that they're going to do it here in the East final. Uh, You know, defensive lines, I'd put them pretty equal. You know, sacks roughly the same there between the two teams. The big stat that jumps out to me, though, The Argos had 29 interceptions this season. The next highest in the league was a three-way tie between Calgary, BC, and Hamilton at 19. So 10 extra picks by the Argos over the next best in the league. Montreal had 14 all the way down there. The secondary and the linebackers for the Argos have been pretty darn good this season. I think they've carried the team to to that first place in the division and made it so the offense has had to do just enough. Uh, I got to lean the Argos defense here. Uh, What about you, Trey? Yeah, I guess I got to go that way, too. Um, I was really impressed with how Montreal played last week. And like I said, I just, up until about I remembering Andrew Harris might play, I was all in Montreal's boat. Mm, 
I don't know. It all depends on how much they play him. And like, you know, the defense is going to have to slow down the run game and make Bethel Thompson win this game on his arm. I think if they can take away the run, then I think it's Montreal's game. But if Andrew Harris or AJ Olette or whoever is back there kind of starts taking over the game, I think it's night night for Montreal. Adam. Yeah, I was just looking at this one here. I mean, with Quentin McManus in the backfield for the uh, Mon- uh, Toronto Argonauts, and you've got other guys in this team again. Uh, just I, this is a Toronto Argonauts team that's a very good team against the run. Uh, it's really a team like uh, Deshaun Amos, and you've got so many other good guys, Royce Meshi, uh, that have been doing just an amazing job for the Argonauts this year. I really think that the Argonauts have the advantage in defense. Uh, not being not being sad. Uh, Mike Jones had a great week last week uh, with all the, with the interceptions, and Montreal did a good job of getting pressure on a Hamilton Tiger Cats uh, quarterback. But this is a different quarterback and a different offensive line. And traditionally, they get some pat pressure over on McCall Bethel Thompson, but he seems to know what he's doing with it. This is more veteran quarterback, I believe. So to me, yeah, no, it's advantage Toronto in the defense. See, it's interesting. I was just double-checking the stats here. Montreal actually has a lower rushing and passing yards against per game than the Argos do, but but those penalties is the big key that doesn't play into that, right? That makes Montreal's defense less efficient than these stats show because those don't show up under that stat line. Uh, and, And if your defense can make the big plays, that can turn the tide of the game. So uh, I think that's why I'm still in the Argos camp, despite the the numbers being closer. And I think the Alouettes have uh, one of the more underrated defenses in the CFL. Uh, and then we look at the special teams side of things. On one side, uh, you've got, uh, you know, David Cote uh, doing some kicking for Montreal. You've got Chandler Worthy in the return game. On the Toronto side, uh, Boris Beattie doing the kicking, and uh, they've rotated returners throughout the year. I think the last one doing it has been Jeremiah Hadel uh, for the Argos there. Uh, Adam, what about you here? Uh, where, where do you go on the special team side? Well, I think the kickers are pretty much even. I mean, David Cote had that bad miss, I think, or against the Argonauts earlier in the season. And uh, Boris Beattie had another miss or two, and it was pretty well even for uh, special teams in the kicking side of the game. Uh, but on the uh, returning side of the game, you're right. Toronto's been doing it by committee. Uh, I don't really see them having it. They get reasonable yardage on their returns, but they're not getting Chandler-worthy yardage. Uh Chandler Worthy, again, had two huge plays there for Montreal. One at the first uh, first play of the game against Hamilton last week and ended up with a 50-yard return and got that right into Hamilton Field to start the game. So that helped the Alouettes media immensely right off the bat. And then later on in the game, I think it was the fourth quarter sometime, he also had another huge return. Uh, to me, it's advantage Montreal because the uh, return game is such a big part of this, this uh, game here this week. And if you give your running backs good yardage to start, they don't have to run as much. So it's just, I think, advantage Montreal. Trey? Yeah, from the return side, I'll give it to Montreal. I was just looking quickly at, like, punting and kickoff yards. Uh, Toronto's leading in that. So, you know, they're kicking a little bit farther. But then again, you have Montreal. Does I give them more space to return? You know, there's a lot of plays in there. I really like the Phil Pot brothers and seeing the one on Montreal's this week and other things go on. I'll lean towards Montreal for special teams. But 
this is not a game you want to leave to a field goal. I don't think on either side of how these guys have played, right? So, or no rouge, no last second rouges to win this one. Absolutely, I want the chaos. <laughs> Absolutely not what you want. That's correct. Uh, I mean, looking at the field goal percentages, Montreal eighty six point three on the year. Boris Beatty's at seventy eight point two percent, which surprises me because I feel like his name's up there normally as a strong performer each week maybe it's just the volume uh and the sheer number of kicks he's he's done where he might only be going you know four for five every week but he's making four field goals uh yeah the return game Chandler Worthy was a nominee for special teams player of the year that tips it pretty cleanly in Montreal's uh direction for me on on the special teams I think he's as, as explosive as they come uh, a final category here, coaching. Uh, Danny Machocha and staff on the Montreal side. Uh, Ryan Dinwiddie and staff on the Argos side. I'm not going to lie, I don't like either of them necessarily. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm still not a believer in Machocha, head coach, uh, and, you know, getting corralling the team, although they did a good job last week. And I think Ryan Dinwiddie in his first two seasons as a head coach has shown times with clock management, things like that, where, you know, maybe some issues there. Uh, I honestly don't know which way to lean. I might have to call it a wash here. Maybe lean Machocha because he has more of that veteran experience. Uh, Trey, what do you think? Uh, Any advantage in the coaching strategies Uh, here? Yeah, I'll go with Machocha. Machocha. Just... 20 uh where's he here um trying to find his coaching stats here it doesn't really have them oh here we go yeah great cup champion great cup champion bunch of college championships been a head coach in montreal you know now and then in edmonton and then back in college now back in montreal i'm gonna give it to him he's been coaching for 30 plus years general manager college the game the pro game um you know, that I've been saying a lot that I for Toronto's sake, I'll give it to the veteran players. We got to give it to the veteran coaches then on the other side as well, right? So, Dinwiddie, I'm not sold. He's got the baby blue eyes. Not much else going for him than that. So, you know, I, I'll give it to Montreal. Adam? Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm not a Danny Machocha fan by any stretch of the imagination. I mean... Back in the day when he was with Edmonton and him smiling and then not smiling and not smiling and not smiling during that last little bit of the one Grey Cup. But you know what? He was in the Grey Cup. He was a veteran coach and he is a veteran coach. So I will give it to Danny Machocha at the moment. But again, if there's a lot of penalties in this game, I will feel real bad if um, if I didn't give it to Ryan Dinwiddie. However, that being said, Ryan Dinwiddie should have won a Grey uh, Cup in 07. But did he, guys? Anybody? Anybody want to answer that? Okay. Uh, I, I don't remember that year. I I, I I don't know. Yeah, been a while ago, anyways. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, no. Uh, uh, so I I don't know about him as a coach. Uh, again, he does some questionable calls. You're right, uh, especially on his run game. Once in a while, uh, suddenly he'll just disappear, like all of a sudden, like he's Jason Moss or something. So, anyways, uh, to me, I think I'm going to probably give the edge to Montreal in this one. Uh, but again. Yeah, Danny Machocha is not my favorite guy either. Can I throw one thing in here on his Wikipedia page? He's five and one in the postseason as a coach. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> so you take that in football, right? Yeah. Yeah, you he, take he that in playoffs, football. But uh, yeah, yeah, I just don't like the guy. No. 41 and 44 overall, but five and one in the postseason. That's which a good is record. That's yeah. a good record. Yeah. 
And again, you know I, I, don't, I don't know my college history as much. I'm sure there's not many coaches that have a Vanier Cup and a Grey Cup, you know, especially recently, right? So he's a guy that's got experience on all aspects of the Canadian game. He's not an American coach. Like, you know, he's not, he doesn't have the four game or four down game kind of comes up here. He's got the Canadian in him. I'll go with Machado. The only other thing we haven't really talked about that I think can have a big impact potentially on this game is the crowd because as much flack as Argos fans get for, you know, the, the quantity uh, that show up regularly, that stadium is loud. Like, like the fans that show up are passionate about their football team. They're diehard fans. They're loud. Now you add all the extra folks in the seats in this one. I think there's a lot of home field advantage to be had here for the Argos in this game. Absolutely. I mean, it, it also includes us bandwagon fans. I mean, we'll, <laughs> we'll make a lot of noise as well. But uh, no, the Argo fans do a great job of making noise and uh, giving themselves as much noise as they could possibly give themselves. Even the casual fan uh, will make some noise. So depending on which side this is, if it was all Montreal fans buying tickets, which I have a hard time believing that it was just Montreal fans, I think the Argos are going to get a little bit of an advantage just from the crowd because they uh they've been waiting for a long time to have a big crowd at a game and uh by the looks of things they're gonna get it and excited to see what they do with that too right so we'll, we'll see how that game goes and uh how much the crowd impacts things there uh let's switch over and look at the west division final here now the bc lions fresh off a win over calgary they're coming into winnipeg to face the bombers who are looking to go back to the great cup for the third consecutive year here uh between uh i believe it's close to a sellout uh a few tickets left for this game as well so uh tickets are going fast for that one you love to see it uh ig field uh, is is always fun when it's a packed house uh season series between these two clubs uh back in july the bombers took it to the lions 43 22 with a big win in that one i know that was a very much hyped up matchup between them uh and then Oddly enough, just the same as Montreal and Toronto playing in the final two weeks, so did Winnipeg and BC here. Uh, and I guess that's just the way the scheduling works now. Uh, the Lions took the first one on October 15th, 40-32. to 32, And then the Bombers took the season finale in the game where hardly anybody played full lengths, 24-9 uh, there for uh, the Bombers in that one. So Winnipeg takes season series 2-1. to one. Uh, let's start offensive side of the ball, which I think is where the most uh, debate will be. Uh, let's go to you first here, Trey. Who do you think has the edge on offense? The Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And only because 15-3, and three, MOP, yes, yes, Rourke should have it, whatever, whatever. But again, I'm just not sold on the ankle, and I want to be. I really do. Like, for the welfare of the league, does it sound great? He comes back, wins three games, rides off into the sunset to the NFL. You know, that sounds amazing for him, you know, but... I don't think that's in the cards for him. I think it's going to be a tough one this week, week. And if he does squeeze by Winnipeg, it'll be even tougher one in Regina next week. I just, I really think Winnipeg's been poised to do this. Uh, you know, they've been what big Hill showed up at five forty-five to practice uh, the other day. If you saw that on Twitter, the team was all showing up. Yes. I'm sure BC lions are doing that too, but how many teams are three you know have the three or potential three straight great cups and they're still showing up early they just look focused i really like the team i think they're going to run the ball dalton shown 
put Willie Jefferson six, six out there. He said he wants to play offense this week too. an interview really want, I just, I really am leaning towards Winnipeg and I know both of you guys are going to tell me how I'm wrong. So we'll just go for it, Adam. Well, first I'm going to go and read some uh, viewer comments because we haven't done a lot of that yet here today. The matchup every Cole goes and thanks for uh, joining in Cole matchup. Everybody's been looking forward to since they met in July. Yep. <laughs> pretty much. I mean, this game here is almost circled on the calendar to pretty much say that they're going to be in there and they're both going to face each other. I think everybody had that at that point. Uh, would have been nice to uh, Richard in the chat. Would have been nice to see them play some more meaningful games during the regular season. Yeah, they had two though. I mean, they, that's all you kind of get usually. And if you have the last game of the year, sometimes they just aren't meaningful. That's the way it is. It's no team is going to let their secrets out uh, at the last game of the season, unless you don't have anything to play for, for the next season, until uh, the next season. Um, and then we've also got one here. Uh, if anybody's going to go to the game, uh, make sure you heckle Chris's boss. I've been trying to convince Ryan to wear an orange t-shirt and saying chair of the Nathan Rourke Hall of Fame club and see what happens to him in Winnipeg. But apparently he doesn't think that's funny. So nevertheless. And also, oh, no, I, th I think it's great. I, I love it. I, uh, I'm not going to wear an orange t-shirt when it's, isn't it supposed to be like minus 15, minus 20 again? So. No, I moved up. I think you guys are at minus three now. So, you know. Well, the snow today, the snowstorm we're in may impact things. So, yeah, I know yeah, we've had that earlier. So, I guess. Uh, nevertheless, and uh, Richard says in the chat as well, winner of this game is the Grey Cup winner. Uh, well, I don't know. The guy I disagree. I, disag I, I disagree with that. I think the Calgary Stampeders and Montreal Alouettes of old have a lot of things to say about how the eight and eight team comes in and somehow wins, right? So I don't know if it's that simple. I think these two teams are going to beat up on each other, and Montreal or Toronto might have. Uh, you know, I, I I know it makes the season longer. I've been thinking maybe they should do the week off in between, like they do for the Super Bowl just to let this game be a little bit better, but that's for off season stuff. Right. But man, I think next week's game, Toronto or Montreal has a good shot at it, you know? And, and you think about it, do you think the Ryder fans are going to get behind BC or Winnipeg? No, no. So it's going to be a home game for Toronto or Montreal. Right. So. <laughs> well, that being said though, if it's the BC lines, I know there's BC fans in Saskatchewan. And I know there's a lot of Nathan Rourke fans in Saskatchewan. That's true. Definitely so, not going to be a home bomber game if they make yeah, it. So it's, it's going to be a little bit split. But if it's the bombers, oh no, all bets are off. You know who they're, uh, anybody in green is going to be probably cheering for. Uh, nevertheless, uh, we're going on to the, uh, I got to get back to what we were talking about here with the offense. To me, here's my way of looking at it Dalton Schoen is an elite running uh, receiver. Nick Dembski, I'm sure he's going to play in the end, will be as a great receiver as well. Greg Ellingson, he was there in 2013 in Hamilton. He's a veteran that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers needed to get the, to be in a great spot for the Grey Cup and be one game away from the Grey Cup. He didn't play much this year, but you know what? He's still there. Uh, you look at the offensive side of the football, maybe the only real question mark and again, it's not really a question mark because he had great yards this year is uh, Brady Oliveira. He's had a good game year all, all around. I mean, I used to criticize him all the time on this. And for some reason, I kind of got proved wrong that he's not a good running back. So he he really is a good running back. And you've got Zach Kalaros on the other side. That's a team that should win a great cup. Obviously, it's it's one of those things. However, we've seen Zach Kalaros playing in the cold. And I know Winnipeg fans are going to go on me right away about this. Zach Kalaros doesn't like the cold. I will say that because 
Look last year in the West final. What was it? Six interceptions or six turnovers by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? That's that's not traditional of them. The year before that, had quite a few turnovers in Saskatchewan. Mind you, so did Cody Fajardo. So in the end, the Bombers won and got going on. If he does that during this game here, the BC Lions will win. Plain and simple. There's no doubt in my mind. Something about Nathan Rourke has me kind of just thinking this guy's going to do it somehow. He, yes, he's got a bad foot. I know he does. He's going to have that thing treated by every doctor this week. He's going to have this thing evaluated by everyone, get the best treatment that he can for his foot, and he'll be ready to go against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You've got probably a great running back in uh, in uh, James Butler. Uh, is just a real strong running back and make plays. He was banged up a little bit, but I think he'll be okay for the for the West Final. And then you're receiving core. You still got Brian Burnham, who's that veteran, kind of like what G. Roy Simon was for the 2013 Grey Cup for the Riders. That's going to be that veteran that can make a pass and make a catch when he needs to. And those accurate passes, again, I, there's something about Nathan Rourke. I keep saying him over and over again. He's going to either make or break this team here this week. And to me, if he passes the way he does and with a bad foot, I, I'd hate to see what happens if he gets off uh, firing and doesn't doesn't have as much foot issues this week. Because if he does, Nathan Rourke is going to probably end up winning this game for the BC Lions. So I'm going to go slight edge to the uh, X Factor. Uh, so I'm going to go slight edge BC Lions. I shouldn't because of what I just said about the Bombers. But I'm going to go edge BC. And also, if Lucky Whitehead plays. If Lucky Whitehead plays, that's a big, big advantage for the BC Lions as well. But, again, I can't say that one. But I know the X Factor is going to be Nathan Rourke. So, let's see what uh, BC does. Yeah, I'll give them the slight advantage. Yeah, Lucky Whitehead, I believe, not has not practiced the last two days. So, we'll, we'll continue to see whether he makes it in the lineup in, in the coming days. Because the game's not till Sunday. Uh, and it's Thursday as we're recording this. Um, I give it equal. I'm going to cop out here and say it's equal between these two teams on offense because I'm having a really hard time uh, sorting out between them. So, uh, you know, at quarterback, I think Rourke is the more explosive one that can turn the tide of the game, but they are playing out in the cold. Um, He does have the ankle issue. I think Zach Claros is the more stable, consistent quarterback where he's not going to light it up necessarily 400 yards, but he probably will throw multiple touchdown passes in this game. I would be shocked if he didn't. And I'm sure one of those at least goes to, to Dalton Schoen. At wide receiver, uh, there's so many talented guys on both sides. Like Dominic Rimes, Brian Burnham, Keon Hatcher, Lucky Whitehead, Alexander Hollins on one side. You've got uh, you know Nick Dembski, Dalton Schoen, Greg Ellingson, Rashid Bailey. Like uh, It's a stacked crew on both sides there. Running back, I would maybe lean a little bit more towards BC of James Butler if they use him enough. I think he's the better running back, but it's really close. And Brady Oliveira, when they get him going, they do so very well. They also throw a lot of other gadget plays in there with like Rasheed Bailey doing the sweep plays, Nick Dembski doing the sweep plays that open up the running game there. So I have a really hard time picking between these two offenses, and I'm going to call it a wash between them because... Uh, I, I don't see a huge advantage one way or the other uh, between these two teams there. So, yeah, I think it's even. And I'm just excited to watch both of them perform in this game. 
on the defensive side of the ball, let's uh, let's go there next. Uh, where do you see the edge here on defense, Trey? Okay, uh, just real quick too. I pulled up the weather at kickoff. It's supposed to feel like minus ten in Winnipeg, and by the end of the game, it could feel as cold as minus fourteen. So not crazy cold, but little colder than it would be at DC place or in Toronto probably. Right. So, but to defense, I've got to give it to Winnipeg again. I just, it's so hard to go against big Hill Jefferson, that secondary uh, Jeff coat, you know, all those guys, it's so hard to go against them. The one thing that worries me is Richie Hall's bend don't break. If they play zone and just allow Nathan Rourke to throw at will 500 yards, I, I can't imagine they win, but they pulled those games out of their butts before. I don't know, but if they play, if they get the pressure on Rourke, which seems impossible, but if they can do it, rushes throws, it's still going to be cold. It's still going to be icy. Throws going to need to be more extra perfect this week, as we saw what Zach Claris did last year, right? And I don't know. Does I don't know if Nathan Rourke has the defense to uh, get him out of that if he gets into interception trouble. But I will say that. Winnipeg does Adam to ah, this one's tough for me because again your veterans are your veterans and those guys know how to win a great cup and Winnipeg has a lot of them you're right you've got Adam Big Hill still in the backfield and he's still great at linebacker uh you're still got Willie Jefferson you still got Jackson Jeffcoat I'm not sure if Theodric Hansen is going to be back I don't think so uh, so you've got whatever in the middle there for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And again, I think the idea of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is going to be rush the daylights out of Nathan Rourke and see if he, his ankle is good or not. And if it isn't, it should be. But that being said, the BC Lions, I think, in my opinion, have the better secondary. Uh, they seem to be a little bit more uh, eager to get those passes. Uh, they are, they have one of their players there, Peters, I believe it is, has the uh, second highest amount of interceptions all season with five. Uh, and you've got, again, a guy like Luches Purifoy in the backfield. I keep saying his name, but yet, uh, I like I said, he doesn't seem to come out. But yet, one of these games, I know he will. And if the BC Lions can keep their secondary working well and keep those receivers contained a little bit, or at least make it so that uh, Zach Kaleros can't see a lot of passes working, it could be advantage BC. But again, I'm going to go with the veterans on this one. I'm going to say advantage Winnipeg because I'm sure that they've been working on a program to make sure Nathan Rourke has a very uncomfortable day having to run around a lot. Right. I think I'm going to go with the numbers here and take the Lions on a slight edge on defense. I, people have been putting the Bombers defense up on a pedestal all season long based on the names on it, uh, based on Adam Big Hill, Willie Jefferson, et cetera, when really they've had rather average seasons, I think, compared to what we normally expect out of them. Do you guys know the Bombers have the second lowest number of sacks in the league this year with 36, one more than the Edmonton Elks? The BC Lions have 45, so they they got to the quarterback more often than the Bombers did, and the Bombers had prime opportunities to do so with a lot of juicy matchups that they, they just couldn't, uh, and I was shocked to see that happen throughout the year there as well. Um, you know, there is some passing defense concerns for both of these teams. BC gives up the most yards on the uh, to, to the passing game out of any team. Um in the league, uh, Winnipeg, that bend, but don't break defense. You talked about Trey, if that comes out, that's a concern potentially there on the Winnipeg side of things. 
Winnipeg's also, you know, one of the worst teams against the run this uh, this season. So I think there is room for guys like James Butler to make a ton of plays. If they can't get to Nathan Rourke, that's a problem because he showed last week that even if he can't scramble on his ankle, if he can stay in the pocket, he can make those throws that uh, it doesn't really matter how well the defensive backs are covering Brian Burnham. He's going to make a catch on, on plays like that. So uh, it's close. I would say once again, I mean, everything at this point in the season is going to be close, uh, but I have been more impressed above what I expected from the Lions this year than I have been kind of underwhelmed a little bit by what I've seen from the Bombers defense. So I'll give a slight edge to BC in that category. Uh, let's talk special teams here on one end. You've got Mark Leggio doing the kicking for Winnipeg. You've got Janarian Grant in the return game. Sean White doing kicking and Stefan Flintoff punting for BC uh, and Terry Williams in the return game. We saw this big return game matchup between these two teams uh, when they met a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Adam, do you see one team having an advantage here? It's going to be tough again because the kicking game, I think, is very similar. I think I'd probably give the edge probably to Sean White and BC Lions in the kicking side of things. Uh, Mark Leggio, he had the one big miss also this year. But after that, he seemed to recover very nicely. So to me, the kicking game is pretty well even, maybe a slight edge to BC. On the return game, I think I'm going to go with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on this one. Uh they seem to have the better returner. I believe it's Grant, if I'm not mistaken, that makes usually their returns. Uh, seems to be the, maybe the better option, although scary Terry Williams uh, once in a while can uh, just absolutely go and break one. So I'm going to go with slight advantage on that one for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, uh, just because I think Grant probably gives them more consistent yards. But um, if one of them breaks one, yeah, all bets are off. Uh, Trey? Oh, I'm going Winnipeg, and I'll kind of tie in the next question when it comes to coaching because you got Osh on the sidelines on Winnipeg, and you don't know what madness he's going to put, and Richard just put that in the comments. Is O'Shea going to pull some of that crazy plays out? Most likely, especially when you got Janarian Grant and you got guy like McCray you could put out there, and you got Prukop who's got speed and do some crazy throw across, you know, uh, Memphis miracle crap there. You know, you could do anything you want out there. Legio, I'm really impressed with his kicking and kickoffs and punting field goals. You know, yeah, you got uh, Sean White, not the snowboarder, the uh, kicker on BC's side. So you know, the the he's you got the veteran on that side, and yes, their return game in BC is great too. But it's those two punt returns that came against the BC Lions. Yeah, they were in the dome, but I don't know. It's hard to not go against uh, Winnipeg, Ryan. Yeah, the only two punt returns, I think, across the entire league all season uh, for touchdowns. Uh, did uh, Mario Alford have one? I thought it was a kickoff return, or did he He return a punt? Yeah, a kickoff return, a punt return, and uh, I think he did all – I think he had the trifecta this year. Oh, okay. He did have a punt return and a kickoff return. And For a uh, while, I think it was Janarian Grant. So unless he got the punt return in the final week or two. Uh, second second last game, didn't he? Wasn't that a punt return? Oh, okay. Okay, well, still, two out of the three this season have come from Janarian Grant against the BC Lions. That's been one of the Lions' weakest points this season, I feel like, is the cover unit. Uh, you know, they've got a great returner themselves, Terry Williams. That was a heck of a trade they made to bring him in, and he was definitely going to be able to make an impact. Uh, but I think Janarian Grant uh, has the potential to break one here for a touchdown. I trend that in the Winnipeg direction. 
Uh, Sean White is 92% kicking this year, though. He is the leading kicker in the league. Mark Leggio, as much as I've been impressed with him this season and his bounce back year, is only at 82%. So uh, how do you weigh this, right? I give the edge in the kicking game to, to BC. I give the edge in the return game to Winnipeg. So I guess uh, uh, much the same as the offense. I call this completely equal on special teams because they have different strengths here uh, as well. And I know people are going to feel more confident about Sean White kicking the field goal on the BC side than people feel about Mark Leggio, despite it being a relatively good season for him uh, there. Well, we talked about it a little bit already, and I think I know where you guys are going here. Coaching-wise, the uh, you know Rick Campbell and his crew over in BC, or Mike O'Shea and crew here in Winnipeg. Trey, you're, you're firmly in the O'Shea camp here, right? Yeah, again, thank you to Wikipedia. Mike O'Shea, six and three in the playoffs versus four and three. Rick Campbell's close. But still, I give the edge to Osh. Uh, Buck Pierce is not playing, so there's no concerns of him getting hurt on Sunday, hopefully. So uh, I think he'll be fine. Richie Hall, the Ben not break, going to drive me up the wall. If I see them play zone once, I'm going to turn the TV off. But I gotta, you got to go with Osh, right? He just They're on such a hot streak with him. It's hard to go against him. And, you know, he's going to have those special team plays. I know we can't do that onside field goal anymore. I think they changed that rule from a few years ago. But he's he's got the rule book in his head. I'm sure sure he's got some plays. Adam, what are you feeling? Well, you know, I know that we always say that uh, Mike O'Shea is one of the last two great cups. So, I mean, he should be the obvious choice, right? However, you got to remember, Rick Campbell did win a great cup as well uh, with, I believe it was Ottawa, if I'm not mistaken. I think he was the Ottawa coach at that point. Uh, so, I mean, he's been great. Uh, you've got Ryan Phillips, who's probably one of the smarter defensive coordinators. I think I'd give them the advantage on defense right now, uh, coaching over Rick, uh, over, uh, uh, oh, Richie Hall. Richie Hall, sorry. I should know that one too. I don't know what the heck. Anyways, uh, yeah, Richie Hall just is the bend not break defense. It's been there for years, and I think it's starting to get a little bit old. So to me, I'm going to give advantage of the defensive coaching to uh, to uh, BC if I want to really break this down a little bit. Uh, the offensive coaching, I think it's kind of a wash a little bit. Uh, I don't think uh, Jordan Maximic is uh, the best coordinator for uh, – uh, offense although he's had some good plays and he's had a great team around him so I mean he's made what do with what he's got but I think that yeah in the end I think Buck Pierce is probably the better coordinator there uh, but when it comes down to the head coach eh, I don't want to say it but yeah probably Mike O'Shea is still the better coach uh, right now because somehow he gets that team motivated no matter what the situation is I mean, I still remember that game in Saskatchewan. 58 minutes are played already. It's two minutes left in the game. And he's throwing challenge flags when it's 50 to 10. Like, come on, Mike. What are you doing? But you know what? He says that we go for 60 minutes. He makes sure his guys go for 60 minutes. So to me, uh, yeah, I'm going to go Mike O'Shea. Plus, also, I want to see him go and throw Mike Miller as a quarterback to uh, Willie Jefferson. (laughs) Offensively, I think I would actually lean towards BC. I think Jordan Maximix has done a fantastic job this season of taking a sophomore quarterback, I think, right? Year two for Rourke, or or maybe it's year three. He might have had more time as a backup. But a guy who had very few starts took him in, 
called an excellent offensive game plan those first handful of weeks this season to set him up for success with the guys he had. Like they they executed perfectly for a number of weeks early in the season, and, and I think he definitely benefits from having a guy like Rourke and all the tools he has at his disposal. Uh, but I've been very impressed with them. Yeah, Buck Pierce has done a pretty good job a lot of times too, but I feel like we've seen times and games this season where we're just questioning why what's the game plan right now for for that offense where it, it falls flat for stretches there so i would lean a little bit towards bc on that end uh but overall coaching wise i gotta go with the bombers here i mean mike o'shea nobody gets his team more ready for a playoff game than than mike o'shea does like we always talk every year oh the bye week and the rust coming out of the bye and going into the playoffs i don't believe that exists one bit for the for the bombers team mike O'Shea knows how to get them ready uh and motivated for for a playoff game uh, and it's not before a bye week this time so uh, that seems to be the only time he can't get the team on board so i i gotta give a bit of a nod here uh to o'shea and the unit there on the bombers side Anybody got anything else on BC Winnipeg before we move on to fantasy? Yeah, one thing here. I think you're going to have to watch that defensive uh, versus offensive line battle. You look at what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have on an offensive line, and again, that's usually what ends up winning championships. I mean, you look at the amount of talent on that team with Patrick Newfeld and with Stanley Bryant and with uh, Michael Couture and with all of the talent that that Winnipeg Blue Bombers offensive line has. And then you look at the BC football uh, uh, offensive line. It's a very good line. And I, I, I uh, full credits has played incredible for this season. That was what I was really worried about going into this season with the BC Lions was their offensive line. And they've well proven themselves this year. However, advantage for that would be the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And I think that could maybe change the tide of the game. Because if you don't get pressure on a quarterback, and Zach Caleros is one of those guys that never seems to find any pressure on him, or if he does, it's very little. Uh, that could be the big, big thing for me that could change this game. Trey, anything else? Yeah, real quick question. Let's say late fourth quarter, down a touchdown, which guy would you have more confidence in tying it or gate to getting the game winning, Caleros or Rourke? Ooh, that is a real to, tough one. You had to pick one, right? Like if you're a Bomber fan and you're down a touchdown – Versus a BC fan down a touchdown with Rourke. That that that's because that's probably what we're gonna see. I really don't think this one's gonna get out of hand, right? Like even if a team gets a little bit of a lead, I'm sure the Bombers or the Lions, whoever's down, can whittle it away, and you're gonna get a touchdown game near the end, right? So I go with Calero. I would go Caleros just off of age and veteranness and and stuff like that. But then again, Rourke's got the gunslinger, right? So you never know. I, if I had Nathan Rourke in front of the Winnipeg uh, offensive line, it'd be Nathan Rourke all day. Uh, but I'll take that trade. I'll take that trade, BC. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you <laughs> would. <laughs> May as well keep the dynasty going for another ten years. Yeah. Anyways, uh, no, I to me, uh, yeah, I've got to go with Kalaros on that one because I mean, I I, I don't like to say it. I like uh, Nathan Rourke has some intangible that you just can't define. I think right now. But to me, yeah, no, I, I, I got to go with Kalaros. He's been in that situation so many times already. Ends up getting that one touchdown. Although I don't know if Nathan Rourke will ring it up the off rights this time for you guys to save you. So could be that issue too. 
I think, yeah, I think I'm going to lean Caleros there as well, uh, just based on uh, the pressure, the playoffs, uh, the veteran presence there. But to his credit, Nathan Rourke has, every time he's been under pressure this season, of, oh, is he, is he legit? Is this the guy? He somehow delivered increasingly better performances every time. So if we're talking last-second playoff magic, there's been nobody more magical this season than Rourke. So I, I would potentially lean there. But yeah, I agree with you guys. Veteran veteran experience of Coleros, I think, weighs out in my mind on that one. Well, let's move on to fantasy. And uh, we'll, again, we'll make our fantasy picks for this week. And it's real tough. There's four teams to choose from. That means four quarterbacks, four defenses, you know, a handful of options at running back and receiver only as well. You get $30,000, five positions to fill. Let's start with quarterbacks here. Uh, the four starters to choose from, Nathan Rourke and Zach Kolaros, both equally at $10,000. McLeod Bethel-Thompson at 8500 Trevor Harris at 8000 How would you rank them, the four of them, is the question. I'll go here first. I'm going Nathan Rourke, uh, number one, at, at $10,000 here as my top quarterback. Like I said, Caleros, yeah, he'll throw some touchdowns, but I think Rourke can equally throw those, and he's got a higher ceiling on passing yards, I think. So I like Rourke at number one. I'd probably go Caleros at number two. Uh, he's had pretty consistent, not game-breaking numbers for the most part, but, but you know, solid totals. Trevor Harris, I think I'd go at number three, save $500 over McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Uh, he gets some more touchdowns than MBT does. And then McLeod Bethel-Thompson can break you a game, but more often than not, seems slightly underwhelming in the fantasy perspective. You guys have your lists any other way, uh, Trey? No, I have my list the exact same way, but can I say who I'm actually putting in? Yeah. I'm putting uh, Dakota Prukop in to save some money. He's going to get a couple. He's going to get a goal line sneak here and there. He's going to he's gonna get the play action toss. I, I'm spending my money elsewhere. So he's my number one guy right now. Adam? That's because you got to save money for Dalton Schoen, isn't it? Damn right. Damn right. Anyway, uh, no, I, to me, Ryan, I've got mine exactly the same way. Nathan Rourke, I mean, you got an intangible there that could possibly get you a pile of yards, and uh, he'll still get you uh, quite a bit of uh, points. So to me, I think Nathan Rourke is number one. Uh, so watch me go pick Trevor Harris or somebody this week. Uh, then probably it's Zach Caleros at number two because he will probably have a pretty good game as well. Uh, Trevor Harris, number three. You're right, same reasons, essentially. Uh, I think he's probably a little bit better and cheaper than uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, who is number four. Man, they're just toying with us with the numbers this week because if, we, uh, if we move on and we look at running backs here, uh, the top two most expensive running backs, Brady Oliveira and James Butler, Winnipeg, BC, exact same price yet again at 7,500. Uh, then you get a slew of running backs at, at $6,000. Walter Fletcher, AJ Olette, Andrew Harris, William Stanback is at 5,500. Uh, those are probably, you know, those are all the guys that are probably going to make the biggest impact for you, uh, when it comes to the running back position. I'm going if he's healthy and he's in the game, I'm going Andrew Harris is my number one option here. He's cheaper than the top two guys. You know he's going to be fired up and ready to go for the playoffs. Uh, he has that capability to have big games if they utilize them, which I'd be shocked if they don't. I think I go Andrew Harris is my 
my number one running back here this week. Other than that, ooh, Oliveira against the Lions, Butler. I think I like Butler better than I like Oliveira just because he's the only running back on the roster and they don't run a ton of running plays to other guys like the Bombers do that can take some, uh, you know, away from Oliveira. Uh, so I think I like James Butler there. He's more consistent, more of a receiving back regularly there. And Montreal, I really don't know what to do with Walter Fletcher and William Stanback because Fletcher's had the better games lately, but Stanback's the bigger name that you would think would get more of a role in, in crunch time here. So, yeah, I think it's going to be Andrew Harris or James Butler for me here at running back. Uh, Adam, uh, what are you looking at? You and me are thinking a lot like lately, and that's either a good thing for me for fantasy for next year or a bad thing. I don't know yet. Uh, but no, I'm the same way. I'm going to go with the, uh, as Chris said, veteranness of Andrew Harris. Uh, 6000 bucks, I mean, he's cheap. And, uh, well, compared to the other guys, and he's likely to start or get a few reps anyways uh, for the Toronto Argonauts. I'm actually still debating it a little bit, though, because Walter Fletcher had a game last week. And the thing that I don't like about picking Walter Fletcher is the Toronto Argonauts defensive line is pretty scary to go against if you're going to go that way. So that's the only reason I'm looking at Andrew Harris, maybe a little bit more than Walter Fletcher, but, uh, or William Stanback for that matter. But I think Stanback is almost working his way into the second running back. Uh, and you never know. They might also throw just one Antwi out there just to, for mixing it up once in a while as well at Montreal. So they split up the ball too much for the running backs. Uh, but Walter Fletcher had such a good game last week. I think they're going to play him a little bit more this week. Uh, over for the other game, essentially, to me, you're right, uh, Ryan. Uh, you got a guy that can play all the reps or a guy that might play three quarters of the reps. I'm going to go with the guy that plays all the reps if I'm going to have to spend $10,000. Uh, so I would go with James Butler over Blady Oliveira. Although if you're looking for a cheap option and uh, you think that Johnny Augustine might get you some weird play or something, you never know. But uh, nah, to me, I'm going to probably stick with Andrew Harris. Uh, Trey, what are you up to? I'm going to take out of Acadia, Riverview, New Brunswick native, number 24 on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Mike Miller of a $2,500. We're going to go out here and see, you know what? He got a couple plays at quarterback. They wouldn't do that for no reason. Let's uh, let's see some playoff madness here. How would hey, you rank the other options? Argue it. You started it with, <laughs> the, uh, with the Edmonton Elks. I mean. <laughs> I'll, I would uh... – if I actually had to take a real quarterback I, or a running back, I take Andrew Harris, I guess. I, I, I like your idea there with Augustine as well. If it's a little bit cheaper, he might get a – you never know. And if the game does get out of hand, maybe they run him more in the fourth quarter if the Bombers are up more, uh, you know, kind of give, not risk an injury. So maybe, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to save my money elsewhere here. So Mike Miller is going to pick me up a quarterback sneak touchdown again. Yeah, it's real tough needing that, uh, needing the money to, to spread around here uh, in the playoffs. Uh, looking at wide receivers here, uh, I'll let you guys go first on this one. Uh, let's go to you, back to you here, Trey. Uh, who do you got that wide receiver this week? I got that $10,000, the rookie of the year, Dalton Schoen. Pretty no-brainer. Got to spend the money there. And my flex, I got uh, Curly Gittens Jr. So going again at $8,000, top two guys, uh, you're going to have to throw the ball. I know it's going to be chillier. You still got to throw the ball to win. You might have some five yard passes out of, you might have 50 yard bombs. You never know. Right. So Dalton Schoen and uh, Gittens Jr. Adam. 
Well, so far in this one, I've been looking at it pretty close, and I want to pick one cheap guy because I have to, essentially, at this point, and that's going to be Alexander Hollins. He had a good game last week. Why wouldn't you pick him again? $2,700, cheap play, why not? And it seems like Nathan Rourke is starting to make some chemistry with him. So, hey, great pick. Uh, the other one that I'm going to pick, though, is the Swiss Army Knife uh, Canadian out of the University of Manitoba, uh, Nick Dembski. I think he'll make a good uh, pick. He might run out of the backfield. He might run out of the side. He comes from all sorts of directions. And, hey, he is the most outstanding Canadian in the Great Cup last year. Why not? I'll take Nick Dembski. I think I might need to change my password because Adam's hacked my computer here because I have the same two exact guys at wide receiver here again. Uh, and that's really just banking on Alexander Hollins getting another start and Lucky Whitehead being out because to me, he's the only viable cheap option to look at at wide receiver this week. Like Brendan O'Leary Orange, I don't think is a, a, a you know an option necessarily. Well, now that Greg Ellingson and potentially Drew Wallatarski are back, uh, maybe Kayon Julian Grant at 3,400 or Javon Katoy around that price, but those are hit and miss. Uh, there's really not a lot of cheap options at wide receiver. So if you can get Alexander Hollins at 2,700, he was second leading receiver for the Lions last week. Yeah, I'm banking on that. Hopefully we'll wait and see how the depth charts come out. Other than that, if next cheapest I'd probably go to would be Tyson Philpot of the Alouettes at 4,037. And then you got to, you know, then take less money elsewhere. But I think that's a potential mid-priced option. Uh, yeah, I went with Nick Dembski as well, just because he gets involved in the receiving game. He gets involved in the rushing game. Yeah, Dalton Schoen gets a heck of a lot of touchdowns, but so does Nick Dembski. Uh, and he seems to be the guy that steps up the most when it comes to those big, important games. We see it all the time in those rivalry ones with the Riders. Uh, we see it in the playoff games as well, I think. So I like Nick Dembski there uh, as a pick as well. I did, like you, Trey, have potentially Curly Gittins Jr. was toying with that idea uh, originally as well. I think he's the best option to go for from the Argos side. And I do still like Jake Winicky at 56-51 after he stepped up big time last week for Montreal. So there's not a ton of options. There's a couple of good ones. It's just a matter of can you fit them in to the price at wide receiver at defense, we've got four options for this week. Again, we've got the Argos most expensive at 3,500. Uh, we've got uh, the Bombers and the Alouettes at 3,000. And we've got the BC Lions at 2,500 uh, as the cheapest here. Uh, based on what you've done with the rest of your lineup, I think I know where you're going, Adam, because I think we have the same amount of money left available. Uh, but who do you have on defense this week? I've got the BC Lions. Surprise, surprise. Uh, no, I, the only reason is really because that's all I can afford. Uh, I've got 274 bucks left over, so I guess I got enough for Grey Cup for next week uh, if I'm going out to the team parties. Uh, no, I, honestly, I think the BC Lions can have a good defensive game. Zacalero sometimes has those little bit of missteps in the West Final, so why not? I'm going to try the BC Lions out and uh, go from there and have a full lineup because, you know, not taking a defense is uh, almost like cheating, right? No, no. Okay. Hey, Trey, what are you doing? I'm taking the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It's their home. It's their park. No one's going to steal the bike in their park. It's, uh, it, I don't know. It's, I could see it going for 500 yards, but not a lot of points, right? And most of it's the points. It's going to, you know, 
eat up your defense, maybe a couple sacks, maybe a fumble. It's, you know, I'll take Winnipeg, Ryan. If I had the money, I'd go the Argos at 3,500. They're the, the, the biggest boom defense for me, uh, especially, you know, if Trevor Harris does start coughing it up. I'd probably go either Toronto or Montreal as my top two options. Uh, you know, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, uh, as much as he can put up the yards and as much as the offense gets it done, is usually good for an interception or two every week. Uh, so uh, if the Alouettes can cash in on that like they did last week against the Ticats, well, then that could be a good day for the Montreal defense. But I'm a couple hundred dollars short on that. Maybe I reworked the rest of my lineup here. You know, just to differentiate it from Adam. He beat me last week, so I want to I want to beat him this week um, by at least a point uh, to stay ahead in the playoff rankings. Uh, you know, maybe I would go with one of those defenses. But, yeah, $2,500 is all I can fit in, which is the BC Lions. And I think I feel better about taking their defense than I'd like Winnipeg's right now. Uh, and like you said, Adam, as good as they are, Zach Laros, we've seen a couple crucial fumbles this season, maybe a pick here or there last year in the West final, what six turnovers by the team. Maybe it happens again. I'll take the lions defense, uh, just as a byproduct of not having the money elsewhere. Again, make sure you check the depth charts when they come out, they probably come out Saturday and, uh, set your lineups accordingly based on that. Uh, and best of luck in CFL fantasy to all of you this week. Uh, let's round things out here with our division final picks powered by BetStamp. Uh, BetStamp is a free app that helps you find best value for your online sports betting wagers by providing you comparisons of the best uh, of the odds across a variety of different sports books, including the BetStamp recommended best odds. We'll be using those for our CFL picks here today. Both the money line picks and the picks against the spread will make both uh, because they could be different potentially. Uh, learn more at betstamp.app and sign up with referral code CFC. Let me pull them up for us on the screen here and we'll turn it over to you, Trey, our resident betting expert to take us away. Yeah, for this one, Montreal plus three and a half, Toronto minus three, uh, Minus three on cool bet. You get plus three and a half on Tony bet. Um, I'm going to take Montreal plus three and a half when it comes to the point spread. I think this one's going to come down to a field goal or miss Rouge or something like that. So I think if it was any lower, I'd probably go towards Toronto. Um, but just because it's the full field goal, I will go with Uncle Gary and the Alouettes to keep it close. Adam? Uh, I've been looking at this one and I can't really... Uh... Well, actually, I can decide because I'm wearing their hat. Uh, nevertheless, no, I think that with Andrew Harrison there, that's a real difference for the Toronto Argonauts. It's a real boost. And also they've got back their uh, big piece with Whitten McManus back as well in the defense. So with those two pieces there, I'm going to go with the Toronto Argonauts to cover the three. I think it'll be by a touchdown roughly. Uh, so it's still one possession, but I think it's going to be uh, over three points. So, yeah, give me the Argonauts for the spread. Right. For the spread, I'm going with Trey here, I think, and I'm going with the Alouettes. I like that plus three and a half line, right? Because uh, you got to win by more than a field goal. So if we're getting down to what I think could be a you know a last minute drive type situation, and, and it's within three points, you know that's not going to do it, right? Uh, or if it's tied late and they kick a field goal to win, that's not going to turn the tide. So I like that line of three and a half. I think it's going to be a close game between the teams. Uh, so against the, the point spread here, I'll take the Alouettes at plus three and a half. Also, 
but I'm taking the Argos to win this one straight up on the money line. I think the home crowd is going to be uh, a huge impact on this game for the Argos. I think they're going to get behind the team there. Andrew Harris being back potentially should provide them a boost. If Montreal can come out and play the way they did last week uh, against Hamilton uh, early on, that may you know change my opinion at halftime of where things are going. But yeah, I think I got to take it. Stick with my original prediction. Go with Toronto to the Cup. I'll, uh, yeah, so Adam, I'm assuming if you took them to cover, you're taking Toronto to win it. All right, and I'll take Toronto to win it as well. Um, so, yeah, we all agree there. Quick, over under, do you think it's going to be under or over 49? We'll throw that bet since it's up Ooh. on the screen as well. Or 40. It's anywhere from 48 to 49. I'll go under 49. Um, so 25-24 is kind of what you're looking at. Quick mess there, uh, Ryan. Yeah, I feel pretty comfortable going the under on that one as well. These are two teams that don't score a ton. Um, it's uh, uh, it's going to be a tight playoff game here where the defenses, I think, will take over. No, I agree. I think it's going to be the under because, I mean, this is going to turn into a running game, and usually running games end up becoming a lot of punts and a lot of situations like that. And you got two good defenses. So, yeah, no, to me, it's Awesome, 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 possum. Let's go to the game that we – Let's be honest, this one would be the Sunday night game. Now, if they did flex the games around, this would be the primetime game for sure. Minus four at Coolbet for Winnipeg, plus four and a half for the BC Lions. This is an intriguing line. I'm going to take the home team, Winnipeg, minus four. It's going to be close. Now, I want to take uh, – no, I'll take the four. I'll leave it at the four, and we'll go with Ryan. Oh, this one's tough. My my heart obviously says Nathan Rourke and the Lions. My head, though, says nobody prepares better for a playoff game in the last two, three years than the Bombers do. They're at home. BC's got to come out from the Dome, play out in the cold here in Winnipeg, where the Bombers are, you know, traditionally very good at home the last number of years. Uh, the crowd is going to be rocking there as well. I think I'm taking Winnipeg to cover the minus four here in this one. If it was like... We've seen some spreads this year where it was like Winnipeg seven, uh, like a seven, eight point spread. I'm not going that high, uh, but I think they can win this one by four. Uh, so I'll take that. Uh, Adam? I don't know. I I know I want BC to win this one so bad, and I want them to get over four and a half to prove a point. But, ah, oh, this is tough because – you know, I, I've been saying Nathan Rourke all week, and I've been saying how great he is and how he's got that X factor and that little thing that's something about him, right? But I don't think BC's offensive line has the same thing, unfortunately. And if you've got one great offensive line and one supreme offensive line, you got to go with the best offensive line out there, and that's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. As much as I'd like to say it's the BC Lions, and say that Nathan Rourke is going to take this game and absolutely dominate. I sure hope he does. But in logic terms, I got to go with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers of negative four. It sucks, but that's the way it is. There you go. Mute button. So, yeah, we're all taking the minus four. So, we all took Winnipeg to outright win it as well. Over under on this one, I'll take the over. I think this one's going to go over 50 points. Uh, again, that's like a 25 25 game. 
I can see this one being 35-30, somewhere in there. Uh, defensive touchdown here, kick return touchdown here. Uh, Adam, what do you feel about that one? No, I'm going to go in the under on this one. The reason being is if it's slippery and it gets a little bit warmer out in Winnipeg, that the artificial turf can get pretty slippery. And that means people will be slipping and sliding and interceptions and fumbles and all sorts of good stuff. And that means that sometimes a lot of points don't get scored unless it's on one side and it's a one-sided game. And that's hard to make 50 points. So to me, I'm going to go on the under on this one, right? You're muted. Okay, there we go. There we go. Uh, yeah, sorry. Every time I think I bump the microphone and I'm not sure if I've muted it and I'm still trying to figure out what the indicator on it means when it's flashing versus solid because it's not very descriptive. Um, but uh, anyway, sorry about that. Now it's working again. Um, I think I'm going the over here. Uh, I agree with Trey that, uh, yeah, these are two high-powered offenses that uh, I am excited to see out there for a full game because we got that game here in Winnipeg. The only time BC came to town was in that meaningless week 21 game. Uh, there's a lot of firepower to go around. I expect this to be a high scoring one. Uh, so I will take the over on it as well. Uh, I like the over under next year, you know, next year, I think we should go, uh, you know, money line against the spread and the, uh, the over under on each game, uh, add, add more variation. That way there, I can be right in the basement so you say, yeah, for everybody. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's our picks. I don't have the standings right in front of me, but yeah, we all know where they're at. Uh, Adam, you're you're keeping it up there, man. You got uh, three games, got to go two and one to stay over 500. Uh, Ryan and myself were safe from that matter, but yeah. And, and only the picks against the spread count for that, just to be right. clear. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, because I got to know what the record is now to beat next year, right? So I'm at like 52, right, or something like that. So got a challenge yeah. for next year. Yeah, it's been a great season uh, of making our picks here, and we got three more games to finish it off here on that regard as well. Uh, it's going to be an exciting weekend of uh, football, guys. I'm really excited for both of these games. It's going to be a lot of fun to uh, to see how everything plays out and how we get into the Grey Cup upcoming here uh sad to see the season get down to the end though here and end it's been a lot of fun all year doing this with guys every single week and we'll talk about yeah what's uh what's going to go on in the off season and such uh so stay tuned for more updates i guess on that going forward but uh i think that uh we're ready to get into wrapping it up here so uh let's take a look at what's coming next on the podcast well monday uh, after the games take place sunday monday night 9 p.m uh central time we'll be here to recap the division finals each of the games we'll take a look at the two losing teams as well uh where they're headed into the off season uh after you know getting so oh, so close to going to the gray cup so look at that monday night at 9 p.m and then thursday night november 17th our gray cup preview show 9 p.m central time here as well we'll break down the matchup just like we did tonight i'm sure we'll have some other fun things from gray cup week to talk about here as well uh which should be a lot of fun there also uh, you can catch these shows live uh over on youtube the canadian football countdown there on facebook twitter twitch and the game time tv youtube page also uh, thanks to our presenting sponsor game time tv which you can learn more about at gametimetv.ca uh if you want to follow us on social media the podcast is at cf countdown pod on twitter uh not verified uh but it's there 
uh, facebook.com slash cfcountdownpod as well. Uh, check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network at CF Pod Network on Twitter. And guys, where can people find everything you've got going on? Uh, Trey, I think you get priority here. You, you, you've, you've earned it. Uh, so, Trey, where can people find you? Uh, real quick, real quick, fun, great cup fact here. I want to know, out of the nine active teams, who do you think has the best winning percentage in the Grey Cup? Well, it certainly is the Rough Riders. I know that. <laughs> well, yeah. So who's the? I'll do. We'll do best first, and then who do you think has the worst? So who's the best? Argos. Yeah, I would think Argos. Yeah, Argos at seventy-one point four percent, and out of the four or nine teams, sorry, seven seventy-three point nine, and out of the nine active teams, who has the worst percentage? I don't have my green hat with me. You're right. We're, guys, the Rough Riders at 21%. Uh, actually, fun fact, Baltimore Stallions uh, have a better uh, winning percentage in the Grey Cup than uh, five of the active teams. So at 500. They're, they're 50%, aren't they? Yeah, 500, yeah. So that's uh, – I'm so happy. When people used to say the Bombers haven't won the Grey Cup in a while, I'd always say an American team has won more recently, right? So and I'm glad I don't, can't say that anymore. We should do a trivia night in the off season. That's fun. I like that. Yeah. Uh, when you know when you get on Wikipedia, you find some interesting stuff. But yeah, you can find me at Twitter at Trey MB Harness. I now have a little check mark because I uh, Elon Musk just said screw it, let's give it to anyone who can pay for it, right? So I want to test it out and see what uh, Twitter Blue offers and verified. But at Trey MB Harness, I got horse racing stuff, football stuff, uh, Call of Duty stuff, Star Wars stuff, uh, whatever you want to talk about. Adam, where can I find you? Yeah, you can find me at Adam Stewart One. I know I'm a little harder to find because I'm not verified like Trey, but should be okay to find me. Uh, usually, if you look for farm stuff, or you look for hockey stuff, or you look for uh, football stuff, I'm usually somewhere around there. So you can find me there. You can also find Mike if you're looking for him. He hasn't been here for a week now, but uh, he's still at Mike Garrell. You can definitely ask him all about the uh, W uh, or what is it? MJW MWJHL. There we go. That one. Uh, so he's all over that right now and he's excited to be getting going on that. So real good for him. And, uh, yeah, what I've got going on essentially this weekend, going to those be talking a lot of senior hockey because we have our home opener this weekend. Uh, going to be a pretty good game. If you're in Saskatchewan and want to check out some good hockey, come on out to the Theodore rec complex. I'm sure it'll be pretty fun. Uh, Ryan, where can guys find you? You can find me on Twitter at CooperTrooper42. If you want to talk CFL, CFL Fantasy, anything like that. Uh, I don't tweet a whole ton, but you can follow me there and chat with me if you would like. Um, I did just now think of, you know, do I make the leap and make a Twitter account for the Nathan Rourke for Hall of Fame campaign and pay the eight bucks a month to verify it? But then also, like, Will my wife be upset at me if I do that? Probably. I mean, I'd be upset at myself uh, for for uh, spending money on something so useless as verifying a fake Twitter account. Not saying it's useless. Okay, uh, I was gonna say, uh, honey, do you, do you are you mad that I verified my account today? The people are waiting. Yes or no? Uh, she says no, so that's okay. <laughs> No, it's one month. Uh, it's one month. You're trying it out. No, uh, but if I made a fake account for something like this and did that, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't... someone made a fake McDavid account and verified it and said that he got traded to the Rangers or something, or and like, people thought it was real. So I was like, within hours of it being, but you can see who's who paid for it versus who's actually verified. So remember that when you see some of those celebrity ones, uh, double check if it's paid for, or if they're an actual public figure. 
Yeah, and if you see a if you see a CF Countdown Pod account out there that uh, is going above and beyond, yeah, it's not us, right? So uh, don't don't yeah, expect we're, we're that. underachievers here, folks. We we don't try that hard. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, no. Yeah, we do we do an okay job. I like to think uh, we have a lot of fun here on the show, of course. And we enjoy everybody who joins us every week in our live chat. Thanks for hanging out. We had some great comments throughout the night here as well. We appreciate uh, anybody who listens at any time. And uh, we would love if you take the time to do all the fun things, such as like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. We always appreciate that. On behalf of our panel here this evening, Trey, Adam, and myself, uh, thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.